Awesome. Good morning. All right. So, um, let me begin this morning by, uh, uh, let me give you a scenario that I was in recently, see if you can identify with, with this scenario. So, I'm hanging out with a, a buddy of mine, Don, and he brings along or invites this other guy, uh, another friend of his, I don't know the guy, and we're all kind of hanging out together, just having a dinner somewhere, lunch somewhere, I can't remember which one or what it was. And Don is kind of, uh, he's a riot, so he's, he's going off on some rant about something, and we're laughing and ha- mucking it up. Is mucking, is that a word? We're mucking it up and having a good time. And then he sees somebody that he knows, and he goes, hey, uh, I'll be back in a minute, and he takes off, and he leaves me and this guy at the table together, and we don't know each other, right? And so... We're like, hey, that Don, he's something, huh? He's something, I guess. you know. And I'm just like, cause he's kind of quiet now, and I'm I'm sitting there. Anybody, you feel me on this kind of thing? And so it's almost like I'm going, uh, so how long you known Don? Like it's his girlfriend or something like that. I'm like, I don't know what to say. And he, he's I, I, like, what do you? I ask him. I said, what do you do? What do you do, man? Hey, what do you do? And then he goes, because I'm thinking maybe we could touch base there. But he's like, oh, I'm a software developer. I'm like, yay. Okay. I create algorithms and programs for software stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's, it is cool. But it's like, I don't know that world. Do you know what I'm saying? I know how to go on to Microsoft Word and type in my message is what I know. And so we're just kind of like in that. I feel like it's like I'm giving an, I'm doing an interview and having an awkward first date with this, with this guy until Don finally comes back. <laughs> All right, don't ever leave again. Good, good, good. You're here. So I was thinking about that scenario because I, I feel like that can be the case sometimes with people who are new to the Lord to walk in with God, that so long as there's a community of people around, like a Sunday morning gathering, we can pray, and maybe even a small group or a few, and, then you, and you might even be willing to pray out loud and stuff. But, but then, I'm, I'm, as a pastor, I'm saying, hey, the Bible says go and pray to him, just you and him. Just you and him. Just you and God. And there's folks, I know this, I know it's a real struggle. There's folks who go, I don't know how to do that part. I get lost. I get awkward. I don't know what to say. It's like I need somebody else or I need the church community. And having the church community is good, but we really want to get to a point where the best is when it's just me and him, right? Me and him. So because of that, we've been going through this series on what is known as the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew chapter 6. How many of you are familiar with that one? How many of you could stand up right now and just recite the thing? You know, because you've said it many times throughout your life. Good, yep. Bunch of ex-Catholics in the, in the house. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Let's, let's read it together out loud. Are you ready? Here we go. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, that's good. And so we've been breaking that down because, again, if you're here for the first time, uh, he, he didn't say this is what you're supposed to pray. They asked him, how do we pray? And he said, okay, this is how you do this. This is, this is how prayer works. And he broke it down into these different phases. And it began with, and we talked about this like five weeks ago, our Father. We begin our prayer time. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we approach him as a son or a daughter, right? We're praying to our Abba. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Set apart is your name. And so we enter, as the scripture says, enter into his presence with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We begin our prayer time by going, you're awesome. God, you're my father. I'm, re- I'm coming to you as a son or a daughter. And then your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're praying at that time for the kingdom of God to be experienced in my life and in my wife's life and your kids' lives. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we're praying for those that we love. And we're praying for God, I need to know your will. How many of you are facing some things sometimes in your life and you just don't know, do I go right or do I go left? Is this a yes or is this a no? Right, And so we're praying, God, I want your mind and your wisdom. I need to know your will. Your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. We're praying over the needs that we have. Anybody got any needs you're facing? And so we're taking time because he cares about those things. We're praying over the needs we have. Give us a daily, daily bread and forgive us our debts. God, forgive me. I was a real bonehead yesterday. I was a real bonehead, whatever. I've done this thing or... We bring it. We confess our sins. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we do that. And not only forgive us our debts, but we forgive those who have trespassed against us or our debtors. We talked about that last week, right? Forgiveness. You don't have to raise your hand, but I know that I heard back from a number of people. That was an important message and time because there was some stuff that we needed to deal with in our hearts to release to release. And then today, we're going into this one. Read this out loud with me again. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All right, the Greek word here, temptation, uh, it, it, can, it can also refer to like being enticed to sin. That's what it means, being enticed to sin or being tested in trial. So this phrase really would read better probably as lead us away from temptation, God, and through testing. I don't want to get lost there. Now, here's where, if this is going to make sense to us today, we've got to have kind of a foundation that we all agree on. Or if you don't agree, uh, you get to be wrong. That's okay. (laughs) So... Here's, here's, the, here's the foundational understanding regarding the human experience. One thing. We all have a sinful nature. Every one of us have a sinful nature. In the Bible, it's often referred to as our flesh. All right? This is that part of us that engages in, in attitudes, in conduct, in choices that are contrary to God's ways, contrary to the way that he has called us to live. And that's where that word that has gotten such a bad rap over thousands of years comes in where it's called sin, right? We are tempted or we get drawn into participating, whether through our speech, our conduct, our behaviors, whatever, into an action that is sinful. Well, how do I know what is sinful? It's a simple word that just means sin means to err, to miss the mark. It's an archery term. 
right? We've talked about this a number of times. So when we say we have sinned, that means I missed the mark of what was best. Guess what? We've all done it. We've all, multiple times we've missed the mark. And so we all have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God, right? We have erred. And when we make these things, when temptation comes, what a temptation is trying to do is to get you and to draw you into making those bad choices. When we think, well, when temptation comes, it's just something like something very big. Like we think of temptation. Don't they even have like a show, a reality show called Temptation Island or something like that? Is that a thing or did I just come up with that? Is that a thing? It's a thing. Hey, I got an idea. Let's put, no, never mind. I'm not even going to go down that road. It's crazy. So temptation is not just the big stuff like adultery. You know, I got tempted with adultery or tempted to steal. Every, every day almost you're tempted to lie in some way or to withhold the truth or, or whatever else it is. You get tempted to, to blame somebody else, tempted to, to be selfish instead of selfless, whatever it is, to be jealous of what somebody else has or to covet what somebody else has, just tempted to be mean and to have mean thoughts towards somebody or to, to behave cruelly, whatever it is, or tempted to not do the good that you know you ought to be doing. So every day we are tempted, right? in some kind of a struggle that we live in. That's called a sinful nature. That's why we don't teach children how to be selfish. It's there. <laughs> we teach them how to see and how to give and how to be all these kind of things. We have the, a proclivity inside of us to lean towards selfishness, to lean towards my self-preservation. That doesn't discount all the good things that are inside of us too. But we have this war, don't we, inside and the Bible speaks of it as flesh and spirit. Like there's that part of us that it just is bent towards wanting to be ticked off or rage or anger or jealousy or whatever. And then there's other part of us, the God part that he's done in our lives where it's like we want to be benevolent and kind and merciful, but they fight. Agreed? Okay. The rest of you, I don't know what, what, what world or planet you live on because that's the reality for all of us. <clears throat> now I'm going to share this. Look at Romans chapter 7. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> Hold on. <clears throat> Romans chapter 7. This is, this is, if you're familiar with the Bible, you're familiar with uh, Romans chapter 7, you're gonna, you, you already know where I'm going with this passage because this, this nails it. But here we go. Look, he's saying this. He's talking about the struggle. He says, for what am I doing? I, I, don't, I do not understand. For I do not practice what I will to do, but the very thing I hate. But if I practice what I do not will to do, I agree with the law that it is good, that there is a good over here. So now it is no longer I that do it, but sin. There's sin that dwells inside of me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For the will to do right is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good I desire to do, I don't do, but the evil I don't want to do, I do. Anybody with me so far? Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who does it, but sin that lives in me. I find then there's this law that when I desire to do good, 
Evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God according to the inner man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, my actions. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to rescue me from this body of death? I thank God, Christ Jesus, my Lord. So he's saying, hey, the struggle is real. The battle is real. If you're honest, there's this part of us that's like, oh, I didn't want to do that anymore. Why is it that I keep choosing to do this and behave selfishly or, or not tame my tongue and, and say stupid and hurtful things or cheat or whatever or went and dabbled with pornography again or lusted after this? Why am I doing this thing? I don't want to do it. Because inside of us, there's a sinful nature as well. And so that's why throughout the New Testament, you'll hear things like put to death these desires of the flesh, right? Put off those old ways that you used to behave with no check and balances. Put on the new man. And we are transformed by putting on, not just trying to put off, if that makes sense. So that's, that's where we identify. So write this down. Here's our, <clears throat> here's our first point for this morning. I'm going to pause just for one second. I'm good. My wife, she's cringing because I, I can get really loud with my, my, my functions in my throat. <laughs> <clears> throat> Who was the guy? Oh, it was Felix and the odd couple that used to go, eh, eh, eh. Remember that guy? When we pray Matthew 6.13, number one, write this down in your outline. We confess our human weakness and need for help. Matthew 6.13 is lead me not into temptation, but delivery from evil. When we're praying that, what we're doing is we're confessing my human weakness and my need for help. This is acknowledging and praying, God, help me, is what we're praying right here. God, help me to be wise and not walk in ways that are going to bring a temptation to me. Help me to be wise today, God. I have a friend who would always lose his cool uh, when he would get around people in his office space or whatever, and he'd, he'd tell me about it. He goes, yeah, I did it again. I, I railed through him. Politics would come up or social issues would come up, and he like, I, I just can't even, I can't bite my tongue anymore. I just, and, and now it's, it's violent, right? And it's all this. And he goes, I don't know what to do. I go, I got an idea. Stop it. Just stop. Just don't engage in the conversation. If you see them over there at the water cooler and you know what they're talking about, don't go. Because you're obviously not strong enough to keep your mouth quiet, right? So just stay away. That's, that's, that's a good... Not, I'm going to see if I can do it today. And you blow it every day. How about let's just see if you don't have to be tempted by it, right? Okay, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you're having, like, uh, honest, immoral thoughts about a coworker. Or somebody at the gym, right? And it's kind of gotten a hold on you, like you can't wait to see that person. And, and, but you're in control, right? You think so. I want to say, stop playing with fire. Don't put yourself in a place where you get tempted. Stay away. Don't, don't have that, that, oh, it's just flirty banter. You know, it's not going anywhere yet. Why, why, why flirt with that kind of stuff? This is what he's praying here. Lord, lead me not into those places that bring temptation. Help me to have wisdom to know my weakness and not try to prove to me that I'm stronger than I am. No, I'm not. I'm weak. And so therefore, I'm going to use wisdom and just stay away. Does that make simple sense to anybody today? 
Maybe you're here today, you needed to hear that thing right there. Confess your weakness and ask God for help. Here's another one. We also affirm the active and surrendered nature of our faith. I like how a friend of mine says this, uh, what an active and surrendered faith sounds like in prayer. She says, God, I know I have a part to play, but stay near me while I try not to screw this thing up. I know I've got a part in this. I know you don't do it all. I have a part to play in walking out my faith. and Lead me not into temptation, but please stay near to me. I need you. This is our part and God's part uh, in, in this cooperation of faith is found really good, I think, in Philippians chapter 2. Look at this passage with me. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, notice this part, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and then this next part, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So let me explain this. Where it says, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling means this. We have an active part in this. I have something to do with my faith. We are consciously and intentionally putting in the work, right, to live lives that are pleasing to God and in line with his scripture. I have my part. I can't just ask God, do it all for me. I have a part to say, I'm going to put in the work to actually live the life that God has called me to do, meaning I'm going to stop flirting with that person. I'm going to stop this things. I'm going to put off some of these behaviors. I'm going to go after some of this stuff in my life. But then it says this, and Christian, hear this. It says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So this means that we are living our life surrendered to God. We want to do right. We're trying, but we are praying, God, help me not only do what's right, but help me even with the desire to do what's right. If you even have that desire, that will to like honor him with your life, do you know he put that there? He put that there. That's, that comes from him. As it is him who gives you both the will and the do part. He's going to strengthen you to do it. Your part is to merge with the Holy Spirit, line up with him and say, let's do this together. I've got an active part, but God, I need you. I don't want to mess this up, Lord. Be my strength in my weakness. This is what we're praying when we say, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Now, hear me. If you don't believe in evil, then you certainly won't pray for deliverance from it. You see? Evil is very real. I do not see how anybody in today's day and age can even look at the activities and the philosophies of our culture and of our world and not see an agenda, an agenda that is evil. It is diabolical. It's not not even trying to hide it anymore. It's just out there. There is evil in our world. And if you don't recognize that, I would really, and I'm not just being some ridiculous preacher up here. I'm a normal dude who just walks in the same planet that you do. And I look around and go, oh, it's real. And it's on. It's, it's like the 11 o'clock hour and all the cards are being shown right now. It's just, it's that way. And we do not want to be children of the light who are, who are so asleep we don't even recognize it as it's permeating, as it's attacking our children, all of it. So there is evil. I want you to look at this. I want you to, and again, if you're new to all of this, I understand this might be a little bit 
All right, what are you guys going here? This is just Bible. This is just real. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul is writing this, and he's writing this to a church saying, quit fighting against each other or against, you know, the Romans or against whatever. He says, look, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes, tactics, agendas. And then he says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against this way. It's not horizontal. Wives, husbands, remember that. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Meaning there is a world we cannot see. There are forces at work we cannot see. There is an evil present with an agenda. And then it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes your way, you may be able to stand your ground. So he's saying, okay, understand this. Angels are a reality. Demons are a reality. I'm not preoccupied with them. I'm not, you know, I know people who have stubbed their toe and try to cast the demon out of the table. (laughs) You know, they will run out of gas in the car and they will blame it on the devil. You know? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about but le- legitimately understanding, that, oh, there is more at work in our universe. There is more at work in our lives. I believe what the scripture says that we don't see. There is a fight. And guess what? You're the prize. You know, there's a fight. And so it says, well, how do we fight? How do we, how do we, how do we live right in this present day and age, which is trying to woo me to sleep and get me enslaved and in bondage and in addictions and everything else. How do we, how do we stand? The passage goes on. We're not going to spend too much time on this, but look, listen to what it says. It says, after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with, and then he lists the armor of God, the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which will, which, <clears throat> with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, be awake, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Leave that on the screen for a second. Let's just quickly, what does that mean? Because obviously it's metaphors. What does that mean? The armor of God. He's saying, look, get suited up. Get suited up in the morning. Why? Because you're going to go out there in the day and, that man, that's game on. Here it comes. Are you suited up? With what? With the belt of truth. Meaning, are you, okay, as I approach my day today, this is what we do in prayer. Okay, truth. I'm going to stand in truth. There is a right. There is a wrong. There is a truth. There is a lie. It's going to gird me. Okay, put my breastplate of righteousness. I'm reminding myself that his righteousness is mine. That I am clothed and robed in the robe of righteousness. That I have a right standing with God today because of what he's done for me, not because I've done so good. So I'm reminding myself of that. What's the next one? My feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. That means I've got, I'm like that ever-ready battery bunny. I'm ready. My feet are fitted. I'm ready to go. Lord, where are you sending me today? It may be at the gym. It may be in my workplace. It may be at my school. I'm ready. 
How am I to share the gospel today with somebody? And I may not ever even speak it. I may just show it. So God, make me ready for that opportunity that comes my way. You see, this is what we're doing in prayer before we get out into our workplace. Shield of faith. The shield of faith extinguishes the, this is the fiery darts of the enemy, those lies that come to you, those accusations that come your way, those temptations that come to you, those thoughts of unbelief, shield of faith. My faith extinguishes those things. I'm ready. I've got the sword of the spirit, which is the Bible. I've got the word of God in my heart and my mind, and I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm ready to pray for people. I'm seeing somebody hurt. I'm ready to pray. And see, that's putting on the armor of God. And when we do that in our prayer time, you just take five minutes maybe and you're just reminding yourselves of these truths. You just take, you're ready for the day. You're going into it. You're not passive, you're, you're, you're proactive going into your day. All right, what are we doing today, Lord? And that's what he's talking about right there. It's being on the offense. It's taking ground. We have a choice every day on how we are going to live. You have a choice today. You can't do anything about anything from this moment passed, but you have a choice right now on how you will live. Remember this, temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted by the devil. He chose not to disobey. Do not feel bad or punish yourself because you get tempted. That's called being human. You're not bad because you got tempted. Temptations come our way. The scripture is clear that we get to decide. The invitation is I get to decide what do I do with that temptation. You may be fighting a certain temptation all day long, but you didn't succumb to it. Awesome, right? Don't beat yourself up like, oh, I shouldn't even be tempted. What's the matter with me? It's called being human. That's, we have a sinful nature inside of us. It's what we do with it, choices. Okay, I want to talk about choices just for a minute. Our choices are significant because they, number one, write this down, they show our values and they shape us. Your choices. What we value in life, hear me, is verified by your choices. It's verified by your choices, not by what we say we value. Your values, your true values, are not verified by what you say they are but by the choices that you make. I can say I value family, for example, and yet rarely ever spend any time with them. It is not a value to you. That's not true. It may be a conviction. It may be a principle that you believe in, but it's not a value. Values are showcased by the choices that we make. If I say I value something, then that needs to be a part of what we're doing. People have internal convictions regarding things, but it's not a value unless it's backed up by a choice. I remember one time when I saw this, I was going through a, a fast food uh, drive through with a, a friend of mine. This was years ago with a friend of mine. And uh, so obviously we didn't value health because <laughs> we were going through that. I'm going through this thing, and I'm in the passenger seat. He's driving, and he orders, and, and I order and then we're, we're pull out and we're driving home and he pulls over abruptly. It's like, hmm. And he pulls out and he looks at the receipt and he goes, and I don't remember what it was, but they didn't charge him for a certain thing that he had gotten. And I'm like, 
He says, yeah, they didn't charge me for this. And I'm like, oh, you scored. <laughs> that was my spiritual maturity at that point. And he, and he turns around and he drives back in there and parks the car and walks, walks in and lets them know, you didn't charge me for this. And they're, I wasn't with him. You know, because like when he turned around and started going back, I was like, yeah, you, you scored. You got uh, the opportunity to do something right. Yay for you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. You know, yeah, good for you. He did that. And I remember, and he was like, he was my age, you know, and we were a mile away. And he did that, turned around, and I remember going, and he wasn't showing off. He wasn't trying to, like, be spiritual, you know, or something. He just, that's how he rolls. Why? Because it's a value of his, to be honest. And it wasn't a value in theory. Or, hey, that would be a good value to have, honesty and integrity. He, he, his value was verified by the choices that he made. That's what, that's what choices do. They show our values, and they shape us. Author and theologian Usto Gonzalez said this, in this way, all of life is a test or a series of tests by which our character is both shown and formed. Every day, those choices. You and I, as they say, we make a choice and then that choice makes us. Did you hear that? Certainly not the first to say that, but I hope you hear that. You make a choice and then that choice begins to make you. It begins to shape you and form you. You put together a string of choices in the right direction, and all of a sudden you form habits, right? We don't wait to feel it. We say something is of value, so therefore, because it's of value, I'm going to make choices. Everything in me may not want to make that choice, right? Easy is the way that leads to destruction. I just get to do whatever my flesh wants me to do. <clears throat> Narrow. And difficult is the way that leads to life. But because it's a value, honesty or whatever, fidelity, whatever that is, I'm going to choose that. And you string enough of those together, it forms a habit. What did Aristotle say? We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not a choice. It is a habit. We become what we repeatedly do. Those are our choices. Here's another thing. Another reason choices are significant. It's because they matter to us, others, and God. Our choices, your choices, they matter. They matter to yourself, what you're telling yourself about yourself, how you feel about yourself. They matter to others. They're impacted by it, right? Your choices are shaping you. Your choices are impacting others. And your choices are either honoring or dishonoring God Almighty. Every one of us, you have that influence over yourself, over others, and how we either honor or dishonor God. Now, we all know this, and we have all messed up in making the right choices. And instead of making right choices, many times we have yielded to disobedience and to temptation. Come on. True? All of us. Many times we've messed up in that. And we are not defined, as we know, nor should we even really evaluate ourselves based on our poor choices. Why? Because we're more than that. But we as human beings hold very tightly for some reason and very closely those mistakes that we've made. 
And yet it says in Romans, I mentioned this passage last week, it says, I'm convinced, hear this, that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor things present nor things in the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. And you know what that includes? Your bad choices. It's not about, you know, God not loving you because you made bad choices. He's not going to not love you. It's that those choices have an impact on who I'm becoming, that I'm making, whether I like that person that I am. That choices impacts other people, and it impacts whether I feel good about am I honoring or dishonoring God. The question is, are you in process? That's the question. Are you in progress? Are you in progress? You have, I've heard that phrase. I'm a work in progress, Mark. I hear that thrown around a lot. Many times, how many of you have heard that? I'm a work in progress, right? Many times it's just tossed out as a lazy excuse for an admission of wrongdoing. Ah, sorry about that, just a work in progress. <laughs> just a work in progress. <clears throat> Which is translated, I don't even try. Have patience, I'm a work in progress. No, you're not in progress. You quit a long time ago, right? Because you can be, or I can be, very spiritually lazy, emotionally lazy, or physically lazy. So the question is, are you in progress? Get in progress. <clears throat> not in perfection, but be in progress. Actually, like, you are doing your part. There's some progress that you're making. yes. You're weak, and yes, you stumble. That's, that's humanity. God's not judging this thing. Are you in progress there? Or is it, no, not really. I'm just being honest with you. I don't even try. That's not a good, I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying that is an awful way to live because you're not feeling proud about yourself either, and others notice it too. So we want to be a work in progress. All right, I'm going to turn to closing today. That means I'm not going to turn like that. I'm going to turn to closing today. First Corinthians. Look at this. This is a promise from Scripture. I love this passage. Any temptation you face will be nothing new. That means somebody else has faced it. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. How many of you sometimes feel like he's brought me right up to the ledge on that one? Right? I get it. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. That means if you're tempted with it, he's got you. What's it promise? It says, it says, but he will always, say always. always. He says, always provide a way of escape so that you may be able to endure and keep moving forward. That's his promise. Because I know you feel like you're, man, I, I, I don't know if I got this one. No. He has promised you. He will be, nothing, it's not, it's, if you're facing it, it's something you can handle. I don't see how I can handle it. Hear how. He's going to provide a way of escape for you so that you can endure it and move forward through it. That's his promise. So I want to close by looking at what is the way of escape that he provides. How do we do this? How do we escape? How do we move and not fall into temptation? Since we know our choices matter, we can what? Ask God for wisdom and guidance. That's one. Number one, we say, God, I need wisdom. 
The scripture teaches us to ask him for wisdom. He says, if you lack wisdom, ask for wisdom, and he will give generously to you. Ask for wisdom. If you're struggling in a certain situation, the temptation you're, you're wrestling with, whatever that particular temptation is to you, has beaten you up many times. Ask God, give me wisdom on how to see this thing differently. Give me wisdom, Lord. Ask him for guidance. God, what's the game plan for this, Lord? I'm tired of getting my, my rear end kicked by this thing. I'm tired of falling in this thing. So what's the wisdom? What's the game plan, God? I have a friend years ago. Uh, he's a pastor today, but back when I'm referring to you right now, he wasn't. He was, he was, a, he was a player, and he, was, uh, he loved the bottle, too. He was a partier, big part. So anyways, he wants me to disciple him. And for some reason, I feel like I'm supposed to. So I do. I start investing in this guy. And, but, like, part of that is being accountable. Like, dude, you know, you just you, you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results, right? So you got to change some things. you got to change some things. And then he tells me, he goes, I, I, I'm going to be in Vegas for a couple of days. And he had to. He had to. It was a. It was a. It was a family reunion thing. And he's like, he goes, uh, Pastor Mark, I'm gonna be in Vegas for a few days, and I'm a little worried. I go, I got you. I know, man. That's good. That's 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 wise. That you know your weakness. So make a plan. Make a plan. He goes, I got. I got the plan. I'm. I'm. I'm not gonna ever leave my room. That's my plan. <laughs> so, I'm like, dude. If that's what you need, do it. I get a call. I get a call. I don't know if it's a Friday night or Saturday night. I get a call from him, and he goes, Pastor Mark, I ain't, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling a little stressed about stuff. I go, well, how you doing? Yeah, how you doing? He goes, and he's talking. He goes, I, I don't know. There's a whole lot of stuff going on and stuff like that. And, man, you know, my family's down there, and there's people, and they're, they're wanting me to hang out with them. And I go, well, what's your plan? What are you going to do? He goes, well, here, here's what I feel like God said. I feel like, I feel like God told me I can have, like, three drinks. <laughs> I am not kidding you. It's what he said to me. We still joke about it till today. He goes, I feel like God said three. I said three. I can have three drinks and then I'm supposed to call it a night. I go, so let me get this straight. You're in a casino and you're going to have three drinks and then decide whether this was a good decision or not, right? Bad plan. Bad plan, Jason. Bad plan. Listen, don't, oh, we joke about it too. Because, yeah, today he's a pastor. And he'll, he'll talk about it. Yeah, do you remember when I told you God told me to have three drinks? I'm like, yeah, throw God into it, right? Let's bring God into it. No, I, oh, man, believe me, I've heard that many times. No, God wants me to date him. Okay, all right, what am I going to say? Here's the next one, real quick, real quick. Take inventory and responsibility for our decisions. Do this. Do this. Did that person hurt you? Did that person do that? Yes, okay, but settle that. Forgive, get boundaries, do whatever you need. You take inventory for your responsibility. This is honest self-evaluation, right? Even when we're responding, we're responding to others, we cannot control other people or what they have done, but my response is always my responsibility, right? It's always. How I respond to this is always on me. I can't control what they do. So take inventory in your life. Where am I mucking it up? Because I need to take responsibility for that thing. And then the last one is this. 
Invite others to walk with us. Invite others to walk with us. Don't do this alone. There's two values that we have here at Venice Church. We've got more than this, but two of them are this. Live lights on, windows open, and connect in community. Those are two values. And they're only values if we really act on that. And I believe we do. As I look at those values, I think, yeah, that's, those values are ours. That lights on, windows open, meaning no secrets. Don't have secrets. Don't pretend when you come and get involved in community and at church. Don't pose. There's no need to. So be, you're struggling with this, then you're struggling with that. This is where you're at in life, then that's where you're at in life. And if we're honest with each other, then perhaps there's going to be this possibility that we can really be transformed. Because I'm, you're, you're going to know me, not the me that I pretend to be in front of you. And when we dwell with each other, we connect in community with lights on, windows open. Man, anything can happen. We get deeper friendships. We live with people. We help each other along the journey. That's a beautiful thing. Don't do it alone. This means letting people get to know the real us. Allowing that, our choices, our motivations, right? Our fears, our struggles, our weaknesses, our real wants in life. We need to allow some people, not being an open book for just everybody, but some people to really know the good, bad, and ugly about us. It's imperative for your health and for your growth. I like the way my friend Carla Sanchez talks about this. She says, let the right friends, the trusted few, be all up in your business. We deserve some nosy homies. I love that. You do. You deserve some friends who are nosy about how you're doing and what's going on that know your, your tendency to behave this way or whatever. You deserve that in your life. Not people who stand in judgment, but people who are like, okay, I got you. Let's pray about this. Let's go. I'm going to hold you accountable. Call me when you get there. Right? That's how to do life together. I'm going to call the band back up on stage right now. We're going to close with a wonderful promise song. But I want you to look at this promise of Scripture right here. No matter where you're at, if you're a follower of Christ... You've given him your heart. You're a, you're a work in progress, but you have, you're, 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 you're doing this. You're in progress, actually. Listen to this. I am confident of this. Paul says this. This is another one of his certainties. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. He's not finished with you. Stay in progress. Has God began a good work in you? I think most of you, if not all of you, say, yeah, he has. He's began it. He'll bring it to completion. Stay with him. Stay with him. You fell down, get up. Get up. Lord, lead me not into temptation. Help me to have more wisdom. Oh, God, deliver me, God, from any evil grip on my life. Choose today to be in progress. Choose today to do your part, but also as doing your part, you're surrendering to him. As the song says that we're about to sing right now.
dead battery. That's what that means. I'm glad this is the one that we stream live to everybody. <laughs> yes. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together. And then let's worship God declaring and believing this song about him being a way maker. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your great patience with us. Would you tell him right now, Lord, thank you for your patience with me? Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you for your patience, Lord. I look to you. I want to be in progress, God. I, want to, I accept my responsibility. Maybe you could tell him that. I accept my responsibility. But, God, I need you. <laughs> I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your help. I need your strength. And my weakness, the, your, your word says that you are made strong. Will you be strong, God? And if I get victory over these areas and start walking in freedom, I'm going to give all the glory to you. It's not going to be ego or anything like that. I'm going to boast about Jesus. Father, would you do that for us? I pray for anybody here today that feels weak to take their eyes and to put them on the one who is a way maker. And we look to you and we get our strength from you and our hope from you. And we pray this and believe it and thank you for it. In Jesus, in your mighty matchless name, amen.